Hello world and thank you for joining me today. This is Shelley Shearer and you're listening to the podcast Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, where if I've experienced it, I'm going to share it with you. If I've learned it, I'm going to tell you about it and always some education along the way. Good morning world, Shelley Shearer here and welcome to the show Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda where we talk about high-functioning habits, not living in regret, and just having a better life living well. Today I want to talk about what you focus on. A couple of things have come up in my life the last few weeks, and uh, actually some of them are a little bit ironic. It's always kind of situational how you find yourself thinking all is well with the world, and the next thing you know, it just whaps you upside the head. There is an old, I've mentioned this before in prior podcasts, there is an old native saying that said, you know, a young man is asking his father, you know, the battle between good and evil between myself, inside of myself. And the father said, well, son, inside of you, there's two wolves and they're fighting all the time, a good wolf and a bad one. And the young boy asks, which one wins? And the father says, the one you feed. You know, that is so very true in so many areas of our life. That same sentiment is practiced and taught in a dozen different modalities. I've been re-listening to Napoleon's Hill Think, Think, Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, in my car lately, because it isn't just about making money. It's his actual formula for success, and it really aligns very much so with my uh, the ebook I'm working on now on high-functioning habits and how we can be the best that we can be and the sort of things that sort of just have to be in place most of the time for that to happen. You know, success leaves clues. When you, if you study people that have done what you want to do, and I, by the way, I highly suggest you do that. If you've got a goal or something you want in your life, it doesn't matter what that goal is, business, weight, health, money, intelligence, degrees, I don't care what it is. Study the people that have already done it. Buy the books, listen to the eBooks, take the courses, find a coach, just study what's been done. Don't write, recreate the wheel. My God, we're in a, we are in a world right now that so much has been done and so much has been accomplished. So much is, so much has been learned. So much has changed in this last century. It's honestly, I sit back sometimes at 52 years of age and go, wow, at 21, didn't see that coming just so much. And I take, you take it all for granted because it's happening to you while you're aging. While we go along, technology changes, medical changes, and we just keep accepting it. But we sometimes forget to stand back and say, hey, let's analyze those changes. What are the consequences? What have we gained? What have we lost? Where are the positives? Very important. And it's no different in your life. So here's a couple stories for you. I'll start with a friend first. Young man came in for an ionic foot bath in my treatment room the other day. And he was telling me this story. Now, he is the son of a very dear friend of mine, so I know the whole family. And he actually has a head injury, and we're trying to deal with some of that inflammation and such. But when, when you're stuck in a foot bath for 40 minutes, you tend to just natter. And he goes, Shelly, you, you won't believe it. So I did this and this, and I had some stocks that were doing really well. And life has just been really good since last time I saw you. One of these stocks did really well. I cashed out, paid off all our debt you know, la, la, la. And then we, something else changed and, uh, his girlfriend and him bought a new vehicle on top of the world for 48 hours. He says, I woke up Monday morning and there's my work van all broken into and $20,000 worth of tools stolen. And he's just looking at me going, seriously, (laughs) 
but like myself, he's, he's just a lovely young man. He, he laughs. He goes, I mean, what are you going to do? But he says, so I just want you to know that I'm, I'm focusing on that amazing 48 hours I had where all was right with the world and I had all my crap together. And I thought, so true. Well, you know, his story got me thinking. And in fact, I podcasted last week and didn't publish it because I got caught up in my own shite, <laughs> unfortunately. So the next two stories are a little bit more about my life. One is my health. I just finished, for my regular listeners that do not listen to me because of fibromyalgia tips that are a part of my, just the regular coaching kind of and, and facilitation and inspiration in life, I just did a five-part series on fibromyalgia. I had a listener that wanted to know my story. It took about two and a half hours to tell. There's been some great feedback. Um, I'm glad it could help someone if it did. And it really got me thinking about a lot of stuff while I had to sit and talk about the last four years and a lot of things that led up to that four years. I came out of that two weeks where I'd done these podcasts, had, you know, did, did the editing, got them all up going, wow, you know what? Life is going really well. I, I'm just feeling good. I've taken on a new uh, financial client and just have had amazing two weeks. Think, Things are wonderful, kind of back on track. And then bam, I fall apart last weekend. By Friday, I couldn't keep my eyes open. I couldn't keep anything controlling the pain with my fibro. It was insane, actually. I have not been that sick since I first got sick. And it's still, I'm, I'm battling with it every day right now. And to the, but to the point where I was just thinking, are, are you kidding? <laughs> kind of like Cole is having that moment with this truck is, are you kidding me? The question is, what am I focusing on? Now, something I've learned over the last few years is you just can't tell your husband every day that you feel like garbage. Excuse me. Sorry, guys. you got to focus on the positive. And some of the acceptance about particularly in my situation with my disease is, okay, I've got it. It's no, no different than kind of dealing with about mid-structure mid MS where you just your body starts, you know, betraying you and your mind's very exhausted and there's just your memory starts suffering. Now, I put a lot of things in place that help keep me functioning quite high, keep me rested and keep me moving forward. And then to fall apart like this, I thought, I hope I'm using the word irony right here, but I just thought, this is insane. I finally get to the point where I put the story out there, the winds, the positive, and I start circling the drain. Well, one of the things I learned with my husband is to let him know that, yes, I'm having a bad day if I truly am. Not the normal. We don't talk about the normal. The poor man knows that I live in pain every day. I do not need to start the day with that information. That is, I've reset my meter stick. So a good day for me is not a day where I am pain-free, can go jogging and work for eight hours because that's just never going to happen. A good day for me looks slightly different but a bad day. Th those are different. And my response to him always is, it's a bad day, but honey, it'll pass. Because that is my belief. I know now I've had enough experience with this and other things in my life to be able to look at a situation and say, this too shall pass. And I focus on the positives. I focus on the good days. I focus on the habits that keep me very... Um, mobile and in a good mood and start looking at, hmm, what have I let slip? Well, sure enough, yes, I had a couple of weekends with a lot of entertaining people staying over and stuff like that. 
dietary issues came into it was drinking a little more than I normally do with my illness. I tend to just kind of take a day a week and nothing's too exciting, I'm afraid, these days. But I had cocktails three days in a row. That builds inflammation. Inflammation builds pain. Pain can build exhaustion. And then that triggers what we call a flare. So it was kind of interesting just to kind of look at it and go, wow, here I am trying to help other people have high-functioning habits in their life and inspire them to do and be more and be more aware. And I let myself circle the drain. But you know what? That is life. There's no such thing as perfection. And just because one battle's been won, that doesn't mean the war is over. It's just a battle. So that's something analogy I wouldn't mind you using. Remember that we don't want to think of life as a war. That's a very negative analogy. But the expression, I can't think of something better, quite honestly, at this moment. But the expression, you know, battle's won, but the war's not over. That really is applicable. I will do my best to try and find a better way of putting that in a better context on a different podcast, but it's the one I was sort of raised with. It's an old fashioned saying. For me, I have to focus on the good days and remember that the habits I have and the knowledge I have, I'm putting good things to work. In fact, after circling the drain, I started going back into one of my books that I read And I swear that this book was written for doctors. It is a book on fibromyalgia. He does want to glutathione as well. He's an amazing author, but very well-known doctor. But they are literally written for for doctors. They go through tests with the the medical terms. And it is a hard sludge for me. However, when I'm feeling a little desperate and I'm a little low, I start reaching for the positives. You know, I start putting the looking around and saying, what habits have I forgotten? Am I not reading my meditation books, you know, at night, that sort of thing. And actually that's something we're going to talk about as well. Um, you know, what have I let slip? And this was one of them. And he's talked, did a segment on hormones for women my age that also have this disease. And I went off a particular hormone because I've gone into menopause. And I thought, well, there's no point taking my progesterone anymore. In fact, I was getting a bit of night sweats wondering if I was overcompensating. Went off them not putting two and two together that I've started getting these debilitating headaches. I've had three migraines in four months. I haven't had a migraine in two years and I've had three of them in four months. It was really kind of slowing me down. I'm not going to lie. Well, in this book, it talks about my age, my disease, my issues, and the fact that progesterone withdrawal or too low of it can trigger headaches and that we may have to be on it forever. It's irrelevant to my menopause. I'm thinking, oh my goodness. So your health, is a whole picture. So whatever you've got going on, mine is very specific and it affects more women than men usually. In fact, one of the the reason you might wonder about that, if I have any of my male listeners listening, is this particular doctor speculates that so many men actually die of cardiovascular disease before they are diagnosed with fibromyalgia. There's something to do with their hormones and everything. It's quite a fascinating study he's done. Anyways, I learned something new and I thought, oh, so I took something out that I was taking for granted and didn't realize it was a puzzle piece in my overall health. I thought it was just something to do with my, you know, age and girly issues. No, it is having an effect on my disease. It's like, interesting. So focus on the good stuff and don't take for granted sometimes. Stand back. One, three, five rule, guys. You know, one to one ratio is cause and effect. Three take two steps back, three levels out, kind of what's going on. By the time you're five steps back, you're almost into the butterfly effect. 
what does this decision, what does this piece of the puzzle and how does it interact with five other things? That's kind of how you have to, how I look at things. I call it the one, three, five rule. And I apply it in my life in lots of ways. Miss this one. Just kind of interesting. So don't forget that you may be doing something very innocuous. You could be doing it in your business. And all of a sudden you change something in your business. You get together with your staff and you have a meeting and you decide to make a, um, a policy change or you decide to make a, a change in, in process. And two weeks later, something right out of left field just falls all apart. Because you probably didn't spend enough time looking at all the little integral, 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 integral. I've got, got that word wrong. Uh, pieces that fit together. And again, if you're focusing on one thing and you're forgetting about others, so this had this this kind of focus thing has kind of two parts. You can focus on the positive and the negative, you know, which wolf are you feeding? But you also have to remember not to lose sight of things that are playing in small integral parts that are part of the building blocks. Just can happen in anywhere in your life, your health, your business, your family relations. So same thing with my mom. And this is where I got a little off track with my last podcast. My regular listeners will know that I have a very serious, um, what's the word I'm looking for, dysfunctional relationship with my family. It is, it is very sad how it has transpired. It has not got better with time. And I don't have a lot of positive things to say about my mom or my relationship with her or the way she raised me. Fair bit of issues in my background. But you know what? Still my parents. My dad has Alzheimer's, so you know I need to be around. But I also need to remember sometimes that I would not be the person I am today without her. And I need to spend more time focusing on that. Instead of feeding the bad wolf about all the things that she wasn't in my life, what about all the things that are the reason that I am the way I am? Because there's lots of things I love about myself. Now, I'm good with money. Learned that from my parents. Money was discussed in our home. We were taught. We were raised with it. It was not a taboo subject, which considering the 60s and 70s and the generation I grew up with, amazing. And I cannot tell you how many friends have told me that through my life. I cannot believe the amount of knowledge you came out of your own home with on finances. Absolutely. So it was pretty easy in grade 11 and 12 to take accounting. It just came naturally to me. I made a career out of it in the end when I didn't finish my university education. To be something completely different, by the way. Um, Grooming. Language, manners, knowledge. My mother's a groomer. She's a lady. Uh, our home was always, my mother's not a clutter bugly. She wasn't when we were younger. She's unfortunately, she definitely has a hoarding habit. But that has taken, my father has always supplied her with homes, bigger, better acreage that have allowed her to expand it. But in the actual home we grew up in, it was lovely. Uh, my father has a gift of hospitality like I do and a lot of entertaining went on. My mother taught me to be that hostess. She does not have a gift of hospitality. And as she's gotten older, that unfortunately has really crippled their, their life. But she has a gift of service. So as long as my dad was having the people over, she looked after them. I got that from her as well. So my mother may not have wanted the people in her home, but if they were there, she looked after them. She taught me that. And I've been told many times, great hostess. It's something I love. I love looking after people in my home. And my home has a certain look about it. It is very orderly and tidy. People enjoy coming into it. Do you know what it's like sometimes when one of your rooms in your house or maybe your whole house, maybe there's just a whole, you need to do a spring cleanup if you're hoarding a little bit. 
when you have so much stuff and there's clutter and things are just organized and you haven't paid your bills properly and you haven't balanced your checkbook and you're not keeping your house clean and you're not eating properly and you're not keeping up on top of your laundry, all of these things, guys, subconsciously that just weighs on you. It clutters up your mind and becomes a weight that you need to get out from underneath. So right out of the gate, I was taught by my mother to keep a tidy and neat home so that I could find things when I needed them. If someone dropped in unexpectedly, I wasn't having a freak show. I mean, you can walk into my living room upstairs day or night, 24 seven. Okay. You know what? It may be day five and things might need a little dusting, but more or less things are orderly and I need that in my life. It's part of my personality. So that's not something that clutters up the back of my mind and it's a discipline. If you ever watched a crime show and they come in and they're doing the psychologist come in and they're, they're doing a profile and they go through someone's house and they can tell whether someone was in the army or, you know, how they feel about order, how they plan things. They look at, you know, how they keep their bedrooms, how their bed, if their bed is made, how they're keeping lists. It's quite amazing how your habits tell a lot about you as a person. Those things are taught. If someone comes out of the military and now spends the rest of their life neatly making their bed, they weren't born with that. They were taught it. Well, so was I. I was taught to make my bed every day. Okay. There's just little things that I don't struggle with and feel, oh, I don't have time for that. It's not, it is completely subconscious for me to get that chore done. The tidiness just happens before I walk out of the room and it's done always. Now my office is a totally different story. My, my family has always jo joked about my office because I guess all of us have to let out that disaster rebel somewhere. <laughs> my desk is definitely where it happens. You walk into my office and there's just freaking paper everywhere. So that is an area where I do not keep orders so greatly. So you see what I mean? I was raised with these things, nurture nature. There's things that just come my nature. I talk a lot about um, the uh, sacred gifts, you know, things that come innately to as people and they benefit others. You're born with those. Maybe through abuse or lack of opportunity, you haven't explored them, but everybody has them and they're there. Our personalities, there's a lot of things about us that are just innate. And then there's other things that are, that are affected by our, by our surroundings. They say that something like, um, 80, 85% of people that do criminal activity were actually, they're exposed to that lack of moral and structure from their youth. They're not just born bad. I mean, there's people that are, I mean, there are some really nasty people out there that just start exhibiting terrible signs in their childhood. But that's not the norm. We create the world around us. Well, my mother created a woman that grooms, puts her best foot forward. I'm fairly well-spoken. I got an education. I can express my feelings. I keep a neat and tidy house. Oh, and I can cook, thank God. She never quite instilled the knowledge of the sewing and all that domestic stuff, and I really can't knit worth to save my life. Am I familiar with it? Yes. Can I garden now? Yeah. Learned it, learned it later in life though. Those things didn't grasp all that stuff, but the basics I did. And you know what? I've really had to start focusing on those positives lately because if you fill your mind and soul with enough of the good, the bad just sort of doesn't have room. It's no different than creating good habits. When I talk about creating good habits around diet or your work environment or your family, quit trying to cold turkey bad things. Just start implementing good things and new things. There won't be room for the bad stuff. 
I have the good habits in place so that I'm not eating the junk food in front of the TV at night because there's no room for it. I've eaten a really good dinner. Our timeline has it that I've eaten it at a time where I'm not munching an hour later. My body's full of good nutrition so my body's not craving stuff. Stuff like that. Sleep patterns, work patterns, these all affect your life. Focus on the good, the better, and the other stuff will fall by the wayside. So speaking of that with meditation, this is something that I learned uh, my whole life because I was raised in the church. Now I know I've spoken sometimes negatively of, of how my upbringing was, but that is not all negative for me, by the way. I was raised in a very strict religious upbringing that had a lot, developed a lot of issues in my life. But at the same token, I'm so very grateful for my religious upbringing. I'm grateful for that I have that open mind to the spiritual, to things beyond the black and white. I had an incredibly inclusive uh, youth group of 300 plus kids in our church. It was a just, we went through this amazing time of uh, spiritual uh, awakeness and awareness in my, in my area where I lived as a child. It was just, it really was fantastic. Good teachings, honesty, integrity. Those things were just, you know, drilled into me. Those things I'm so very, very grateful. Because do you know what? And this is why I have a tough, tough time with parents that don't um, expose their children to religion at all. They might have a negative effect. Like my daughter, my ex-daughter-in-law, absolutely against religion. So I'm not allowed to take my granddaughter to Sunday school or do any of those things. And to me, she has closed a huge door through her own prejudice on that child's mind. This is the reason why. If I didn't have my background, I wouldn't have enough knowledge to start questioning. Now, I understand that there's a lot of religions out there that do a lot of brainwashing, and you think, well, if you didn't expose them to in the first place, they'd have an open mind. Well, you know what? I don't want to wrap up the whole world of exposure because there's a few radicals out there. The, the radicals are one other end of the spectrum, but just in general, I liked being exposed to faith. And as, as a teenager with my curious mind, I wanted to know about other faiths. And I had Catholic friends and I had Jehovah Witness friends. And now of course I have Muslim friends and Sikh friends because of the area that I live in. These things were really important to me to understand and have respect for these other cultures and to know what, you know, what makes their clock tick. I don't think I would have had that if I was raised agnostic. Is that the right word? where there's you know, no religion whatsoever, if I had never understood faith. So the good thing about my religious upbringing, and I'm going to kind of bash my Catholic husband here a little bit, is we were not raised with, with the, the doctrine of, um, actually we were raised with doctrine, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The, um, the rituals of the, you know, you do this to get in heaven, the deed things. I was, I was raised with faith. Pentecostals were raised with your sins are, are forgiven through Christ's blood, end of story, it's all faith-driven, that's what I'm grateful for. I do not have some belief that the more good things I do in the world means I've got a better place in heaven. I wasn't raised with that. I don't even believe that. Not a, none of all that stuff. So all that stuff that the radical crazy people are, are running around blowing up the world about, even in their own religions. In my own religion, I didn't believe it. And, but what I'm grateful for is that it opened my mind to faith. So when I was introduced to the law of attraction and in a spiritual world of energy and spirit beyond, sorry about that guys, beyond the physical, that was so much easier for me to grasp and understand because I already had a basis of faith. 
okay? So I keep feeding that wolf. So the point that I was going to with the meditation is, you can't expect to do something once and that the job is done. And I was at, as I was at yoga this morning, that became very apparent to me. I almost didn't go to yoga this morning. And this it was kind of a couple of things that kind of all got me to this realization. Working very hard on a client that is actually exhausting me. And it was 11 o'clock last night when I turned all the computers off and crawled into bed. That's very unusual for me. But I had slept for over two hours during the day because I had crashed again. Like I say, I'm having a tough time with my health right now. And talking to the client that I'm working with, one of their partners, one of them is a very dear friend. And he's like, you know what? No, Shelly, I'm not coming by in the morning. You need to go to yoga tomorrow and I'll phone you at 11. And I laughed and I thought, yeah, you know what? He's right. Now, the other thing too is I had to go to yoga because the yoga studio is actually a client and they were bringing me their year end. So I'm not going to lie. I did not want to go to yoga this morning. I was exhausted. But the problem is I am exhausted (laughs) mentally, physically, and emotionally right now. And these are the places you need to be to make sure that you're keeping your spirit and your mind and your body in tune. So when we talk about meditation, it is like nothing else. If something is important to you, you have to keep going to visit it. You have to feed it. We're back to feeding the wolf. That is why people go to church on Sundays. People are like, oh, you know what? I don't want to go to church. I just, uh, you know, I don't need a church. I just, I'm just spiritual. Well, that's fine to a certain extent, but it's no different than if you're, you know, we preached to you guys about starting businesses and making sure you surround yourself with the positive influences, the people that are succeeding and not surround yourself. If you want to fly like an eagle, you know, you can't hang out with the chickens. Well, it's really no different than other areas of your life. If you want a spiritual life, and I am bad for this, I do not attend church that often, but I do medit- I do read my Bible almost every day and I do meditate with that kind of stuff because I need to feed my mind and soul with what's important to me. That does not have to be what's important to you. The question is, what is important to you? So I can't go to yoga once and say, I am balanced and all is well with my world. No, I have to keep going back and revisiting the places that feed my soul. One of my girlfriends loves to travel and she travels because of just that reason. It feeds her soul and her need to see other places and go other places places and meet other people and see other cultures it's a huge part of her her baseline want in life and the things that kind of make her happy well for me I am a spiritual person that needs to get fed I am a little high strung and I have an autoimmune disorder so I have to ensure that I rest and meditate and do the things that are necessary to keep my mind body and spirit in balance and so do you it's like showering Just because you did it once doesn't mean you don't have to do it again tomorrow. (laughs) Okay, you following the analogy now? It's not something you do once a week, once a month. You have to keep getting back in the shower every day. It is no different than your spiritual walk or your awareness or your growth as as a business person or as a human being. If you are not working on yourself, Jim Rohn says spend more time working on yourself than you do at your job and you will succeed in life in anything that you want to do and it's very true elite athletes do not become elite athletes by practicing once a week they practice daily by the hours okay your body mind and soul are the same you need to ensure that you have practices in your life that you are feeding the good wolf that you are feeding the things in your life that need to be fed 
that could look like anything for you. In fact, I hope your little mind is running all over the map going, Ooh, what about that? Maybe that could apply here. I didn't think of it that way, or I should go back and do that class again, or I should be off talking to that person again. Please. I hope that's a reaction that I'm getting as you're sitting at the other end of this podcast listening. What are you focusing on? What are you feeding? I hope for you today that it is as positive as it can be. And if it's not make a change, the whole point of this podcast is to, to bring awareness and change in your life because there is no need to be on the, rap, the hamster wheel if you don't want to be. There is so much to discover, so much to learn. Our world has so far to go. Start with yourself and be the instrument of change. Feed the good wolf. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you for joining me here today. And if you subscribe to my podcast, you won't miss a thing. Remember to focus on not living in regret. You can reach me on Twitter at livingwell8 or email me at livingwellwithshell at gmail.com. Let me know what you like best about today's podcast, leave a review on iTunes, or leave me a message on something you'd like me to speak on next. Have a great day, everyone.